welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. You know, we've all got stories of God at work. And if we pay attention, if we just pay a little bit of attention, we'll be able to see the Holy Spirit doing things. And I'm a firm believer that He does so much more than what he gets credit for. Whether it's something small, whether you feel you're at the end of the line and God has done something incredible, or maybe you're in the middle between the two bookends and you're in the struggle right there. He's doing something. You know when you're in the middle of the struggle and you cling to the cross, that's a testimony? Hello? Testimonies are not just about standing on the mountaintop when it's all done and dusted and we can praise God. Praising God in the middle of the trial and the tribulation that He's with us in the fire. That's a testimony. And so I want to encourage you, church, continue to look for God in every place that you can. He's there and He's doing something. Can I hear an amen to that? Tell me why no one's really sitting in the first two rows. When I was sitting down, I'm thinking, have I not washed properly today? Do I smell? Have I got a bit of a BO problem? Do they think I've got COVID? I know I haven't been here for a month or two. Was it the coughing? Was it the fevers that put you off? Um, listen, if we haven't met, my name's Josh, and I get to serve as the pastor here in Grace Life Church, and um, good to see so many of you. There are some faces I haven't yet um, come into um, familiarity with, and afterwards I'll be hanging around, love to get to know you. If you're new here today, stick around for a coffee or a tea. Do we have Milo? Possibly Milo? You know, I like a good cup of Milo. Lots of coffee. You have a coffee? Nectar of the gods, caffeine, the Christian's drug of choice. Let's be real about that. (laughs) Hey, if you don't know who Jesus is, uh, I want you to know he's a good God. He loves you. He's for you. He has a plan for your life. And before the end of the service, before you leave today, I should say, you'll be given an opportunity to say yes to him, not just to add him to your life, but give him your life. It's the best thing you could ever do. It's not always going to be easy but it is the best thing you could ever do. Before I start the message today, I just want to give you a couple of updates if I can and some praise reports. We've recently um, been part of a faith offering and that faith offering is about really sowing away from ourselves. The vast majority of this faith offering is going overseas to our work in Africa. We have a, a church and community work happening in Livingston in Zambia. We also do some work in Tanzania. Over in India... We have some children that we support with Pastor Lawrence Aramanigam. Many of you would know him and have heard him. We also have, uh, uh, in this season, launched a ministry called the Storehouse Ministry. And so we were all giving into that offering this year as we kickstart this ministry. And it's an absolute honor for me to give you the the, the final amount. Eighty thousand five hundred and twelve dollars and ten cents. How good is that? Go you! Thank you, church. I just want to say, you know, I love being part of a family that is faithward in heart and generous in disposition. Thank you so very much. Whether you gave five dollars or whether you gave ten thousand five hundred dollars. The fact of the matter is we trust God. We let Him lead us and move us in the realm of gratitude and faith. Thank you for being a community, a body, a family that trusts God with your finances. Um, I just want to pray now that God 
multiplies this. That we steward this well and we bless and invest for kingdom purpose. That it would be used throughout the globe for what he wants it to be used for. Can I hear an amen to that? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you that we get to give. Thank you that we get to participate in an act of worship where we get to thank you, but bless thousands. Lord, with this money, with this ministry, would you be glorified? Help us to steward well. But Lord, would you multiply every cent that was sown? And Lord, we know that your scripture says that you will bless the giver, the the one who trusts you. So Father, I pray for blessing over every precious soul that trusts you with finance. And all the people said, Amen. Wonderful. I also want to uh, just give an update for what's actually happening over in, in Livingston in Zambia. And um, we have a, a church community over there that is doing an amazing work in the region that it's living in. And many of you would have heard that a number of months ago, we were looking to purchase some land. And we went to purchase some land in the city the seller of the land found out that we were a church from a Western nation and they decided they wanted to charge a little bit more for the land because we apparently have deep pockets. So our local congregation over there, the pastor, Pastor Alex, he kind of says, no, I don't think we should go for it. We need, to, we need to just, cool, we need to just walk away a little bit and leave it because they're taking advantage of us. So we said, okay, we're going to trust God. Fast forward about two months after that, there is the chief of the whole region. They call him the king over there, uh, Chief Makuni. And it's not often that the chief would just give land away, but they gave us a whole stack of land. Gifted our church, Grace Life Church International, gifted us a whole stack of land. We were going to pay for it, but God blessed us. How much land did they give us? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) We were given over 10 hectares of land. We were told 10 hectares. 10 hectares, how much is that? Again, I'm glad you asked. It's about 100,000 square meters of land. In fact, it's a farm. It's, it's, well, I shouldn't say it's a farm. We're going to turn it into a farm. We're going to turn it into education. We're currently in the process of putting a poultry farm on there. Uh, we're going to do outreach, put about 30 locals to work. We're going to sell chickens to some hotels. It's going to be a fantastic opportunity not just for our church folk, but for the region. Now, last week, this is uh, about a week and a half ago, I was sharing this at the team night, um, we had some surveyors come out to the land. And the surveyors actually properly marked up the land, the area that we were given. And I want to show, if I can, a map of that land. Can we put that first image up, please? Okay, now you're not going to be able to see too much of this, right? But if you look on the right-hand side of that, you see a red outline. That red outline up there, Um, is the land that we've been given. You'll see to the north of that and to the east of that, um, there's actually river frontage. That's good. That's good news for us. Sure, there might be a few crocodiles, but that's still good for us. It means it's worth a little bit more, and we've got access to water. Now, what we found out when they were um, marking up and measuring, you can't see it from where you're sitting, but near the bottom there, it actually has a total area that was measured. And the total area that was measured was actually not 10 hectares. They found out it was 52.763 hectares of land. 52 
hectares of land. That's 520,000 square meters of land. That's over half a million square meters of land that we were given. Given. <laughs> when you trust God, He takes care of you. He's given us a great facility in Ellenbrook. He's given us a great facility in Malaga. He's given us an incredible location over in Livingston in Zambia. Do you know what we've now started doing? Um, two weeks ago over there, Pastor Alex started a rural outreach for children. They're now getting about 25 children every weekend that is ministered to from this location. That They're not just kids that would normally go to a church and then they're coming out to this church. They're kids that don't normally engage anywhere. We're ministering to kids from that location. I want to also show with you, the weekend just gone, um, uh, actually I think it was maybe the Friday before the weekend just gone, Thursday or Friday, what Pastor Alex did was he invited a whole stack of pastors from the city of Livingston to come out to the land. We invested about $500. This was done uh, a couple of months ago. Uh, someone in the church gave some money to bless the local pastors. We spent about $500. And what we did was we wanted to, to look after these pastors that were essentially giving food out of their own pocket to the people in their church who were struggling, particularly in the COVID pandemic over there. It's, it's actually a significant thing over in Livingston because Livingston is a hospitality and tourism center. And when people don't come into Livingston, the city struggles. So there are a lot of people that were starving. So the pastors were really honoring, blessing, looking after people that had nothing. So we thought, let's feed them. Let's do something. Let's honor them. So what Alex did was he did a meal and he invited them all out to just say thank you and invited them to come and pray over this bit of land. We hired a bus. We took them for a tour of the land. And as we were going there, Pastor Alex said, we know that we've been given this land, but this is ours. This is God's land. We're in this together. And they had a prayer meeting out there. All the pastors came together. They taught. They shared. They talked about what God's doing, what is going to happen. Next picture, thanks. And, were, and we're not just talking about Vegemite sandwiches. This was a well-catered for... Um, Moment for these guys coming out. Next picture, thanks. And they had a wonderful time. Last picture, if we can. Look at them, getting it. They're praying for God's blessing in their city, for God to do something with the land that they've been given. The guy on his knees, that's Alex. That's Alex. I love being part of that kind of stuff. We might be physically distanced from them, but we are spiritually intimate with them. And I want, to, I want you to know that it's because of your faithfulness and your generosity and your prayers that that sort of stuff can happen. We are changing lives across the world. This is what God's church is doing. This is not about grace life. This is about God and what God is doing through congregations, through His global church across the planet. How good is God? Last weekend, Pastor Alex actually launched um, a, a youth campus that's their second campus and now their third ministry um, hub a second campus aimed at youth in a high school so they're functioning as a church 
they've started a campus and now they've started a ministry outpost out there on the farm. God is up to something. I thank you very much for your prayers. Thank you for giving. Thank you for honoring and and creating a space in your heart for people that you may never meet. Can we pray into this? Hey, who's got a faith and would like to just thank God for this just now? Who would like to just thank God for this and come up and pray? Come on, my man. Come, Ollie. Ollie, I was told that when you get on the stage, you sometimes wear some nice, shiny, like a nice, shiny suit. I was looking forward to that today. Maybe next time. Come on, man. Let's pray a blessing over these guys. Uh, Dear Lord, we want to say thank you that we can be in your presence. Uh, We thank you, Lord God, for what you're doing, Lord God, for what you're beginning, Father. Whatever you begin, Lord, you know the purpose of it, Lord God, and you see through, Lord God. As everything begins, Lord God, as your new power comes, we pray that you continue, Lord God, to bless them, Lord God, to open new doors, Lord God, only by your spirit, Lord God, everything shall be done. Father, we worship you. We thank you for all these wonders and for the more you're about to do, Lord God. All in your wonderful, mighty name, we pray all this. Amen and amen. 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 Thanks, my man. Fantastic. So if you get your Bibles, pull them out, draw out those swords. We're going to go to Matthew in just a second. We're going to camp there for a little bit. And if this is your first Sunday in either a couple of weeks or maybe ever in a church service, we're exploring a series that we're calling Why Church? What's the church? How does it function? How does it minister? How does it how does it facilitate things like worship and outreach and discipleship? And, and particularly in this, this year, 2020, which is, feels like it's been going on for about 18 years, this, very, this one year has just been dragging its feet through the mud. Um, I know it's very easy for us to just want to get through a difficult situation, right? Because we are not, we're not people that kind of like pain too much, are we? Who likes suffering? Don't put your hand up, you little fibbers. We're creatures of comfort. And so when challenges and trials come, we want out as soon as possible. Let me get over that line. I want to get 2020 out of the way. I want the new year's coming. I just want to get through that. 2020 is going to follow you through to 2021. (laughs) Newsflash there. Um, But God often teaches us some amazing things in these seasons. And I don't know about you, but I've had a number of questions that have been flying around in my spirit about church, about outreach, about ministry, about services, about life groups, about um, the church's connection with the world that we're placed in. Like, what, what, What's the Holy Spirit saying to us, not just with our own little assembly, with our own little family, but God's greater family, God's global family? What's He doing? And it's important for us to always see the bigger picture, always. Even when we read the Bibles, we like to chuck ourselves and think that God is talking specifically, directly, individually to us. But when God pens that Bible, He's writing it to a group of people. He's writing it to essentially His family. This here is a message, a continual message 
to us that God is always keen about family. He's always been about building a family. That's what this tells us. It's a love letter of the Father to humanity saying, I am, I'm wanting to establish and extend a family, a family that knows me, a family that loves me, and a family that I know and that I love very, very much. Perhaps you're here today and you don't know who Jesus is personally. Maybe you know about church. Maybe you know about attending Maybe you even know about reading a Bible, but you are yet to experience the personal love and reality of Jesus. Maybe today is your day. When we talk about the church, this word that is often used, I know that Pastor Scott alluded to this last week, this word is ecclesia. And this word ecclesia is a Greek word that can be translated to ones who are called out God calls out unto himself. He calls out a group of people from a place of darkness into a place of light. From a place of loss into a place of found. And so ecclesia are those that are called out. The ecclesia, the group of people are those that are called out. And it is also used as an assembly. So the church is not just the people, though that it is. It also can be translated as an assembly of the people. So we today are personally the church as God's body or God's family, but we are also a church in the fact that we are an assembly. The building is not the church. It might say church on the outside, but this is just the assembly. This is the meeting point of God's church. What COVID has taught us incredibly is that even though we may not meet together, we're still the church. We may not be physically together, but God's church still was being built. Hello? We might find, oh, hang on a second, there's no church anymore. We're not on for church anymore. Church is stopping. No, the church of God cannot be stopped. Hello? Maybe we can't meet the same. And in Victoria, they're still having challenges with meeting. I have friends that have had couldn't even do life group meetings. Does that mean the church doesn't exist or that the devil's having his way? On the contrary, God is just redefining and recalibrating how we think about church. And it's not that there's anything necessarily new. It's just that we're getting back to what was true. In our thinking, we kind of veer away a little bit. Our humanistic thinking, the world disciples our thinking to steer away from people and relationships and onto systems and events. The church is more than just that. We are part of God's church, the ecclesia. We are called out for Him, for a purpose. Matthew chapter 16, and Pastor Scott read from from this a little bit last week. I kind of want to camp here today and build on that. Gives us... The first conversation that Jesus has, in the New Testament we'll read this, the first conversation Jesus has about the church, Matthew chapter 16, we're going to read from verse 13 first of all, and what I want you to pay attention to is this, pay attention to the fact that when it comes to the church, Jesus is the platform, he is the plan, and he is also the purpose of the church. He is the platform, he is the plan, and he is also the purpose of the church. And so before God establishes his church by the power of his Holy Spirit, he has a conversation with the disciples. And 
This is what it says in verse 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Now, that word you is actually the word, it's a plural word. It's not just a singular, it's plural. Who do you, who do you guys say that I am? And at that point, Simon Peter speaks up. He was often the first one to talk. Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, bar Jonah, bar meaning son of. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who's in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Here's what's really interesting about this conversation. Jesus is doing a bit of a a survey amongst the people that have been walking and talking and living and breathing with him for some time. And he goes, hey guys, uh, who do they say that I am? What's the talk about out there? Well, some say you're Jeremiah, some say you're Elijah, some say you're one of the prophets. Yeah, but you guys, you, who, who do you say that I am? A bit of a footnote at this point. Jesus to this point did not tell them that he was the Christ. He didn't do that. That's why he says, whoa, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my father, God revealed this. So that's why Jesus was so marveled by this. Whoa, who told you? Who? My father revealed this to you. And then after that, he charged them not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. Here's an important question that God presents to us today. Who do you say that Jesus is? Don't look at me. and It's not about who I say Jesus is. Who do you say that he is? Has God revealed that to you? Have you read it in a book and you've just memorized it? Have you had the revelation from the Spirit of God that Jesus is the Christ, more importantly, your Christ. Is he your savior? Is he your redeemer? Is he your lover? Is he the one that's building in you? Is he the one that saves you? Have you had that revelation yet? If you haven't, you're yet to be born again. How do you get that revelation? You've got to ask him. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you. I can't reason you into salvation. I can't try and convince you and, and, and just um, work on your intellect to get you over the line because being born again is a work of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that brings what is dead into life. It's the Spirit of God. So if you're ever struggling, say, God, I need you to show me. Show me that you're real. Show me. Verse 18, and I tell you, you are Peter. What does Peter mean? Rock. I've been to this area where it was said that this conversation happened in Caesarea Caesarea Philippi. I've been there. And um, 
there is conjecture that say, says that when Jesus was talking, he was talking by an opening of some caves and there was rock there and he was using a few different points that the name of Peter meant rock and there was a rock and there was a gate by the entrance of the cave and the gates of hell would not prevail. And I'm here to tell you that, that when Jesus says this rock, he's not just talking on Peter. He's not. The Catholics might have you believe that. I'm baptized Catholic. I love the Catholics. But it's not Peter that was the foundation of the church. He's talking about himself. He's talking about the revelation of Christ. He's going back. Oh, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, that I'm the Christ. This revelation, this is the rock that I'm going to build my church. How does God's church, how does God's body, how does God's family get built? It's on Jesus. The church is built on Jesus. He is the platform. It's Him. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 11 says, No one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. The church is built on Jesus, not dazzling personalities. God's church is not built on charisma of a person or a leader. I'm not here to dazzle you to try and build a church. The only personality that matters is Jesus. It's got to be built on Jesus. See, we can meet here and we can worship and we can talk and we converse and we can get the warm tinglys. But I tell you what, if Jesus isn't here, we're wasting our time. You can sing a song of worship, but if you don't meet Jesus in the worship, you're wasting your time. You can even open up your Bible and read till the cows come home, but if you don't see Jesus there, you're wasting your time. Can I go a bit further? You can even come to the altar. You can bawl your eyes out, but if you don't meet Jesus in that altar call, you're wasting your time. You can pray. And raise your hands and be so holy and righteous in, in, in outward expression. But if you don't meet Jesus in that prayer, you're wasting your time. It's all about Jesus. The great gift of COVID has allowed us to see what we've been building on. Has anyone been challenged by this? It's like God says, all right, look. I see that you're busy. You're too busy for me. You're too busy for the word. You're too busy for prayer. You're too busy for Sunday service. I get it. I get it. You're busy because you've got sport. And you, you know, I get it. You're working hard. And yeah. So what does God do? He gets rid of some of those distractions or those cause for busyness. He shuts down some places of work. He stops us from being able to watch Sport on TV, man, I was struggling there for a while without the NBA and the AFL. He takes away those distractions and he clears our heart nice and open. He says, all right, kids, I've taken them away from you, for you. What say you? And what do we do? We fill it with other things. We turn on Netflix a little bit more, eh? Well, let's binge watch a little bit. Let's get on social media a little bit more. And so what we do is we continue to distract our hearts and we realize that perhaps our attention and our affection and our adoration isn't really built on Him. 
But this is a good thing because God gifts us these opportunities to show us up, to bring to the cross and say, hey, what can we do about this? Perhaps for some of you, you have seen that this great sifting experience of COVID has shown up how strong you are in your faith. Praise God for that. For some of us, it's been a real struggle and it's been very uh, confronting. For others of us, it's been very encouraging and even rewarding to know that we have built the right way. Whatever it is, let's use this as an opportunity to keep building on Jesus. On this rock, on this rock, on this revelation, on this reality, on me, it says. Second point, it says, I will build. Who's going to build? Who does the building? So the church is built on Jesus, not dazzling personalities, and is built by Jesus. Now that's going to release the pressure valve a little bit for some of us. I'm not called to build. He is. I'm called to make disciples. I'm called to serve. I'm called to love, do the best job that I can. But unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers will labor in vain. So Jesus gives us the promise that on this rock, on this revelation of who he is, he will do the building. He does the building. Not, it's not dedicated workers that does the building. We can work hard, spend a lot of time and energy and effort and even money trying to build, but he's doing it. Thank you, Jesus. When I had this revelation a number of years ago, I'm like, oh man, what am I trying so hard for? I don't care about trying to make people do this and drive people to do that. Man, God will do all of that. You can take a horse to water, but you can't make the horse drink that water. I learned that with my kids. I can't make my kids do anything. I got three daughters. Man alive, I'm in trouble. Hey, anyone have only daughters? Oh boy. May the Lord help you. May he do the building in your life, my friends. <laughs> I have three daughters, man. I can lead them, I can encourage them, I can even instruct them, but I'm not going to change them. I'm giving them the God as soon as I can, as early as I can. I will build my church. I will build my church. He does the building. How does he do it? Well, two key ways that Jesus builds his church. Number one is through the Bible. Very important. The Holy Spirit works through the Bible, which is why it's so important for us to know the Word. The Spirit works with the Word to grow us, develop us, challenge us, inspire us, encourage us, and grow us up. But the other kind of means that I want to kind of camp on is the bride, the Bible and the bride. He uses the church to grow the church. He uses us to grow us. We heard last week from Pastor Scott from Ephesians chapter 4, that God gives to the church, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. And what's their purpose? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Why? So that we can grow up. We can grow up. Have a guess what? We're told to grow up. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, grow up. Grow up. Grow up. Yeah, he wants us to grow up to the unity of faith, to maturity. That's what he wants for us. And the beauty of that in this body is that he's the head and we're the body. 
He's the head. Colossians chapter 1, 18, it says he's the head of the body. Romans 12, 5 says, In Christ we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We belong to each other. You may not like me, but you belong to me. We belong to each other. And that's not just a, a, a case of, that's Romans chapter 12, verse 5, that last one. It's not just a case of, um, I belong to the people in Grace Life Church, Ellenbrook. It's I belong to the Christians over in Zambia. I belong to the people, the Christians, the family members over in the UK or in China. I belong to them and they belong to me. We are one body together and we have one head. Jesus is the head and he's doing the building. Now, uh, what happens if you don't like the people that are in your family? Does anyone have any family members that they don't like? <laughs> Why are you putting your hand up and looking at Scotty when you say that, Stella? Sure, sure, okay, let's just change that one. Tell you what, I've got some weird uncles. Do I like them? Eh, I don't know, sometimes. Do I love them? Yeah, I love them. And the family gathering is really important. At Easter time and Christmas, I see them all together. I'm like, oh, now I see why I don't see you every week. <laughs> but we're family. We're family. I'd do anything for them. They're family. We belong to each other. Different? Absolutely. 100%. But we belong to each other. I wonder if at times we come up with excuses and we tell ourselves, yeah, I, um, I, like, I like Jesus, but Christians not so much. <laughs> Have you ever heard anyone say that? <laughs> Have you ever said that? Jesus, I kind of like him, but, but the Christians not so much. What we're really saying is I kind of like the head, but the body... Have you tried playing that card with your spouse, babe? I like your head, but your body? Would we ever say that to God? Hey, God, I like Jesus, the head, but I, the body, I've got a problem with. Can't do it. You can't separate the head from the body. You can try to. If you look in Acts, there are a couple of occasions. You know the, the conversation we pick up on where Saul's on the road to Damascus and then he has this appearance of the Lord who comes to him. Now what does he say to Saul? He says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Was Saul persecuting Jesus or was Saul persecuting the church? He was doing both. And yet Jesus took it so personally and he says, hang on, why are you persecuting me? When we come against one another, we're actually coming against Jesus himself. And it's an important thing for us. We belong to each other and we're called to love each other. Hey, have a guess what? God uses us for the benefit of us. This is how the world will know that we're his disciples by our love for one another. God's in the people business. 
And his business is my business. And if he's in the people business, I'm also in the people business. If he's a love machine, have a guess what? By his power, I've got to become a love machine. Hello? I've got to love people in the family of God. There are times sometimes where people bug me. Do people ever bug you? No. Look at all your halos. You're so holy. My COVID has refined my family over here in Ellenbrook. The wings are extending from their, from their backs and they're beginning to hover. They're doing it again. I saw it a couple of years ago. It's happening again. Man, there's saints in Ellenbrook. When we die and we're on death's bed, do you know what we're going to be doing? When, 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 if we get the moment and we're thinking, oh, I haven't got much long left. I, I, I feel that I've only got days to go. Are we going to say, hey, quick, where's all my trophies? Bring them to me. Where's all my accomplishments? My certificates. Bring them to me. Who's going to do that? What do we do? Bring those people to me. I want to see them. Why? People matter. We were wired that way. Accomplishments. Who cares? But people. 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 It's always been about people. And God, He designs the church because He loves people and He's passionate about you. And He wants you to be passionate about you and you to be passionate about you and for us as a family to come together and to see that He is in the middle of us. We have the same King. He is the Mac Daddy. He is the chief cornerstone. He is the head. And we get to gaze upon His beauty. And in doing so, there are three things that people do that helps us grow. First thing, People, each other, we get, a, we get a bigger picture of Jesus. Have a guess what? Your experience of Jesus is not the only way of seeing him. We all have different experiences. We're all wired very differently. And as we look at one another, we see a much bigger picture of Jesus. My experience of Jesus might be all about knowing the Bible and that's it. Your experience might be that you know the mercy of God. The mercy of Christ for others, perhaps it's not the same. Perhaps it's all about generosity and you really ooze generosity. That's how you see him. Well, have a guess what? When we get together and we look at one another and we do community and life with each other, we get to appreciate different aspects of the beauty of Jesus. We get to see a much better picture of him. We see... um, we see a much clearer picture of ourselves. You know, in community, (laughs) church is so good for for triggering insecurities. I don't know if you've ever found that. Have you ever got upset with someone else and inside you're so ticked off with them and you just want to leave a church community or you just, oh, I've been burnt by that church or that leader or that person. I've been, and that could very well have happened. But what we can often do is we, we kind of, we paint ourselves as the victim because someone else looked at us in a weird way because they, 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 they sneered at us when we wanted to sit next to them and they said, move over, I want to be COVID safe. Like, oh, we get offended by that and I want to go. 
Now, what community does, for whatever the reason is, it triggers things inside of us and it allows us to see, hang on a second, I've got some growing up to do. Immaturity says it's all your fault. Maturity says, what can I do to help? What can I do to grow? How can I become more like Christ? (laughs) We are created from community for community. Father, Son, and Spirit existed eternally in this eternal bond of love and communication and relationship. And from that trinity of persons, from this community of persons, we are created and reflect that same community, which speaks to why we are community-minded people. We need one another. Now, if I go and take myself out of community because I'm upset by you and I go stand over here, have a guess what? I'm cutting myself off. I'm saying, I don't need you because you upset me. Well, that's immaturity. Any married people had a problem with their spouse before? (laughs) Now, be honest. (laughs) See, Garfield didn't put his hand up, but Sue did. I I like that. He's never had it. Sue, you're a saint, yeah. And you beat him if he's out of line. I get it. Now, be honest with me. Have you ever in the flesh just gone, oh, I've had enough of this person. I'm out. I'm seeing nods, but people aren't putting their hands up. So you're agreeing, but you don't want to made it be known that, that you're agreeing. Yeah, what is that? It's because we want to run from conflict. How do we grow? How does God grow us? How does he disciple us? He highlights conflict and tension points. And it's in those moments we can either run away from or run to and cling to and hold on to the cross in that situation. I'm here to tell your friends, I'm here to tell your family, if I haven't yet upset you, I'm going to do it at some point. It's not that I'm trying to, I just do. We think different. We think different. And the tension points arise in conflict when we differ in the way that we think, and then we can't handle that. I get upset with people because they think differently to me and I don't like it. But have a guess what? God puts us together to bring those things up. This is one great reason why many of us don't like to do more than just a Sunday service. Because we don't want to get too cozy with people because they'll just bug us. They'll annoy us. They'll tick us off. Have a guess what? The more you do life with people, the greater chances of them bugging you. And that's okay. It's okay when tensions arise in family. Man alive, my kids bug me sometimes. They can't hear me right now, can they? They're in the kids' ministry. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh my goodness. Just be quiet for 10 seconds. But I'm not going to divorce my kids. I'm not going to kick them to the curb because, we, because they don't listen or because we disagree on what ice cream is the ice cream we're going to choose last night. <laughs> Gives us a much better picture of who we are, of ourselves. But also together, it's about us. You know, together we are better. Together, together we're better. We're better together. You can try doing life yourself. To you it might seem simpler, but you're not going to be richer for it. We're better together. Been in Africa a number of times. I'm fascinated with documentaries. And um, I remember seeing several documentaries on this great migration that happens between Kenya and Tanzania on the Serengeti Plains. And there's over 2 million animals. It's predominantly made up of wildebeests. 
And there's this migration that happens between Kenya and, and Tanzania. And these wildebeest go on this continual migration pattern every year. What's really fascinating is that the wildebeest are not alone in this migration pattern. They're joined by zebras. Has anyone heard of this phenomenon before? It's really bizarre that wildebeest and zebras travel together on this migration. And do you know why this is? <laughs> wildebeest have a very strong sense of hearing and smelling. Zebras are not so much that way wired. Their strength is seeing. They have different strengths and weaknesses. And they work together. They work together because they help each other. They're this amazing synergy of finding food and water, but also when threats of attack can come. Isn't that really interesting? This happens year in, year out. Now, wildebeest are also herd animals. They're not the smartest of animals, but they know how to cling together, whereas zebras are a little bit more cluey. They work together to find food, nourishment and water and to stay alive and survive and even thrive as they move to the various plains. Can you see what I'm putting down right here? Wildebeest and zebras don't even have to like each other. They don't even have to like each other, but together they are better. Are you a wildebeest this morning? Or are you a zebra? Are you there as a wildebeest saying, look at those stripes. Those, look at those long noses. Those stinky zebras. Look at those big wildebeest. They're so fat. And this is what we can do. We can have our strengths. We can have our perspectives. And then what we do is we point the finger at the lack in others instead of realizing that strengths and weaknesses work so well together. This is how God has designed us. We need each other. So if you're strong in the prophetic, don't assume that the whole church has to only be prophetic. It also needs to be full of mercy. If you're strong in mercy, don't think that everything's all about mercy. It's also about evangelism and outreach. If you're strong in evangelism and outreach, don't assume it's just that. We need some depth and we need the word. We need some teaching. Together, we are better. First Corinthians 12, 17 and 18 says, If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as He chose. Not as we chose, as He chose. Ephesians 4.16, the whole body is fitted together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Maybe here this morning as a Christian, you're like, I don't fit. I'm here to tell you, you do. Maybe you're here this morning and say, I don't have a part to play. I'm here to tell you, you do. Maybe, maybe you're not a big nose. You're not so prominent and obvious. Maybe you're not a mouth holding a microphone and loud. 
Maybe you feel you're just a big toe that no one really sees. Do you know how important that big toe is to help you balance? Have you ever had an injury to your big toe before? Congratulations, if you're a big toe this morning, we need you to balance. You have a part to play. So Jesus is our platform. He is the one that plans. He knows what he's doing. But he's also the purpose. Last point, the church is built for Jesus. I'll tell you, you are Peter on this rock. I will build my church. Whose church? Whose church? His church. Who's that? Jesus. Whose church is it? Jesus' church. You know what that means? It means it's not your church. It's not my church. That's an important conversation for ownership. Because if it's my church, I get to do whatever I want. If it's his church, he gets to call the shots. This is not my deal. Neither of, it, it, it's not yours either. This is his. What's God doing globally? You know what he's doing? He's ruffling up the feathers. He's messing up our mindset. There are feathers that are all over the shop and it's all messed up. Well, what are we going to do? Oh, it's crazy. Our systems, our organization, our means of control, it's all messed up. What are we going to do? Oh, it's about you, Jesus. This is your church. You have a higher purpose. Your ways are above ours. Your thoughts are higher than ours. Oh, you know what you're doing? Oh, sorry that we're lost in one year of trial. Sorry, it's been so hard for this one year. Jesus is up there on the throne going, oh, people, please. Please. I got up on a cross for you guys. Everything that needs to be done has already been done. There's no plan B. He's done it all. God, you got to help us. He's done it. There's no other son in heaven waiting for God to send down, to die again or do another work. Hey, Jesus, have you got a brother at the back or a sister? Maybe we can send them. It's been done. Everything the Father had, He gave. And so we as God's people are built on Him. We are built by Him, and we are built for Him. It's all about His glory. Why are we here? For His glory. For Him. That will kind of help us stop being so nitpicky and choosy about which church community we belong to, what the flavor of the month is based on any given Sunday, because we're upset with the length of time that we're spending in worship on a Sunday or how long the sermons are, or how good the kids' ministries are. No, we go where God tells us to go, plant ourselves, assemble, and enrich. Not just take and suck, but contribute and give to love. Is there receiving involved? 100%. Healthy families have both. Maturity, though, says more, what can I contribute? Can you imagine the church at Ephesus, people in the church of Ephesus, going to Paul, hey, Paul, I'm thinking about moving churches because over in Corinth, they got a better kids' ministry. Or, the, or some of the Christians in, 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 in Macedonia. Hey, uh, Paul, uh, I've had enough, you know, because the guys on the door over here, I'm heading over to 
the province of Galatia. They do door greeting much better over there. <laughs> it's less about our preferences and it's all about his purposes. He's the head of the church. But is he, is he the head of your life? It's the, see, the church is not even built for deserving Christians. It's built for him. My life belongs to him. But what if Jesus was not the head of the church? What would it look like? What if you were the head of the church? <laughs> what if you, deep down we call, we, we kind of all want to call the shots, right? But if you could, and you, and you were the head of the church, what would the church family, the church body, what would the bride look like? When I asked myself this question a couple of weeks ago, you know what first came to mind? I'd, I'd be like, I, I thought to myself, no pain and suffering. No pain and suffering. I just want it to be easy for my family. And yet that's one of the very hallmarks of God's people. Why? Because he's refining us and making us like him. His purpose is not comfort for us. It's character. It's Christ formation in us. And so he actually allows his church, his people, his family to experience certain things to refine us, to grow us, to develop us and to mature us because that's his ultimate goal for us, for Christ to be formed within us. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.